Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul, Jamal Forrest. You can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. On today's episode, we have Coach Speak, Special Team Coordinator Nate Kayser. Uh, spoke with the media on Thursday. After Thursday's practice, we're going to get some nuggets from him and Ron Rivera, the same thing as he does after every practice. Uh, he spoke with the media, and we're going to get some nuggets from their pressers and talk about uh, those things. And uh, secondly, we'll close it out with three things that I want to see from the Kansas City Chiefs game, man. Um, so if you are new and if you have some spare time today, or even if you aren't new and you haven't done this yet, make sure you have subscribe to the podcast if you are not um and then also leave us with a rating and review if you get some time today it'll also help to let it'll also help to let the potentials know you know that you know this is a quality podcast that's worth their time you know we ain't we ain't out here bsing nobody man we we got some things that's worth listening to over here (laughs) um if you haven't over the past couple episodes make sure you listen to uh the interview with anthony armstrong and uh kyle smith for gm as we discuss some some recent commander's information and obviously perspectives and outlooks on the 2022 season. So that'll definitely be worth your time. And uh, if you haven't to go ahead and do that. Secondly, if you haven't check out uh, matter of fact, I'll put it in the link, but make sure you check out uh, or in the, in the description, uh, there is a film breakdown I have of actually the good and the bad. I'll put both of them in there. Now that I'm talking about it out loud. <laughs> um, it's a film session on, the, the the first game for the Carolina against the Carolina Panthers uh, definitely worth a read and just to understand get a, a sense of evaluation of how these guys were playing in the first the first preseason game for the Commanders um, to to kind of give you a glimpse or a preview Jahan Dotson had a uh, a couple of good plays um, that you know kind of speaks to what he can do in the NFL and uh, I'm, I'm gonna be short with my words because I don't want to you know dive too deep into the article on the on the podcast because I want you all to read it and, and kind of get a visualization because we do uh, break it down with the film as well. But uh, Jahan Dotson uh, looked like a professional in some instances and uh, kind of showed you why he was kind of dangerous in, in man coverage as a receiver. So um, go ahead and take a look at that. Fidarian Mathis had a couple of good reps. He's been able to take on uh show that he's going to take on some double teams and still make some, some uh, combo box and things like that and uh, have a presence in the run game, especially in the red zone. Um, so that's pretty good to see. 
uh, Carson Wentz showcased why Scott Turner wants him. And Scott Turner even had a decent day uh, with the starters and his play calling and things like that. So uh, there's and Jamin Davis. Can't forget about Jamin Davis. <laughs> That's the main guy that I like talking about lately. Fidarian Mathis, Jamin Davis. Uh, th- these are some guys that I'm that I'm interested in. Um, and Jamin had a really good game. Uh, he's coming along lately. He's he's coming along lately. So I want people to understand that uh, it's definitely worth the worth the read if you want to get an understanding of how he's played over the past couple. Uh, well, excuse me. Let me say the past couple of weeks in training camp, but also the past weekend uh, Saturday against the Carolina. Panthers. So, look, man, week two, Kansas City Chiefs, man. I, look, personally, this time, I don't know about you all, and I'll be quick because we got we got some things to talk about. But personally, I don't know about you all, man. But um, I love that preseason. Like once football starts, time flies. Like that's a gift and a curse. And we're already a day away. I'm recording this on Thursday, but it's going to come out Friday morning. So we're already a day away from the second preseason game. And then the next week, we got the third preseason game. And then after that, that that's going to be the longest time we have to wait for another football game. <laughs> I mean, unless you're a college football fan, because that's when you know I am. So I ain't really got much to worry about. But in terms of Washington football, Washington Commanders, that's the longest period we're really going to have to wait till we see football again, man. So um, time flies. It's a gift and a curse in the NFL season. But I love it. I love it because um, I, I can't get enough of football. So really can't wait um i don't care if it's preseason i really can't wait to see washington take on the kansas city chiefs it's a good measuring stick for the starters in a sense um just to get an evaluation of some of the one of the league's better teams in the nfl better coach teams um and in one of the league's better quarterbacks so uh, let's go ahead and transition now and get into the coaches speak all right so a couple of quick nuggets from rivera after thursday's pressures um, we're going to start with the starters and the snaps for the starters. Um, and it goes as following on how many snaps the starters will take. He said, I really don't mean and don't know. Um, a lot of it has to do with the health of specific players. When we do certain things on the offensive side, it goes to impact how all of the other guys play. So hopefully we can stay healthy and we can get them in. Ideally, I'd like to play the whole half. I really would, but I don't know if we can get that done. And I'm actually assuming when he says him, I think he's meaning actually Carson Wentz. Um, but he's saying, I don't know if we can get that done, you know, with some of the soft t- soft tissue injury. T- soft. T- why can I not say this? Soft tissue injuries we've had to deal with. Um, and there was a follow-up on if the guards being thin affects how much Wentz plays. And that's when he confirmed, absolutely, that's exactly what I'm getting at. So as far as I know, and, you know, there's room for updates, I guess. But as far as I know, Andrew Norwell and Wes Schweitzer, they have both been out. Both of those are interior linemen. Um, and we already know that uh, um, Chase Ruye is still recovering in terms of being able to play in an actual game, still recovering from his, his leg injury. Um, while he's cleared off Pup, he hasn't really uh, he hasn't played in the game on Saturday against the Panthers, but I don't think he's really taken on 11 on 11 just yet either. Um, so Andrew Noel, Wes Weiser, Chase Ruye, um, both out, all three of them out. Um, and we also are dealing with Charles Leno, who was out today. But there's prob- there's an idea that from the reporters that he may have just been out due to rest. Um, so another report from Thursday's practice is the starting offensive line unit consisted of Cornelius, U- 
Cornelius Lucas, Sadiq Charles, uh, Chase Ruye, Antonio Montero, and Sam Cosme. Now, I know I just mentioned Chase Ruye. Uh, this tweet, and the reason why I put this information in here, because there was not necessarily any confirmation that this was 11 on 11. Uh, but if it is, you know, it is what it is, right? Uh, but there's no confirmation that this was 11 on 11, but this was an observation from somebody that was reporting from practice. Tight ends, no further update as far as we know. Obviously, Logan Thomas still out, um, pup. Uh, but then John Bates, no significant or concrete updates on John Bates. No significant updates or information on um, Cole Turner as far, as far as anything with him. Um, so we're still looking at... Uh, Armani Rogers, what is going on today? <laughs> Armani Rogers and um, Curtis Hodges. Uh, we already know that uh, Samus Reyes has now been released or placed on IR with uh, injury designation. And what that means for Washington essentially is they have seven days to kind of claim him. And if they do decide to claim him, they can ultimately uh, work him back onto the roster. Um, and he can work in rehab with the team. But if they do not decide to go that route, then he's. I, I think he believes he's. His season is over with at that point. Um, okay, let's move on to the special teams. I think personally, from the starter standpoint, and I'll touch a little bit on this and extent with like with my one of my things to watch. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play this. Carson Wentz obviously is is a is a main focal point in making sure that this guy is, is healthy is going to be key moving forward, especially in a, in preseason where, uh, from a record standpoint, the games really don't matter. So you kind of have to give that balance because you don't want a guy in Carson Wentz who is still getting used to the offense and getting used to his teammates and getting used to his, his skill positions. You don't want him to go into the regular season with absolutely no familiarity with these guys or or minimum or minimal amount of familiarity. You want this guy... To, to have that on the field game situation experience with these guys. And um, so you have to kind of find that balance. Um, and, and that's kind of what Ron Rivera was alluding to. And I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, but I ultimately think that you can't afford to not play him. So if you're thinking you want to preserve your, your precious quarterback <laughs> because the offensive line is banged up, at the end of the day, players play. And imagine if uh, the lineup that I just shot out there that – that was practicing in Thursday to start an offensive line unit. Imagine if that list of names that I shot out there for that Thursday's practice is somehow one of the combinations in the regular season. Well, because he didn't play in preseason, you, you sure to wish you did that now. <laughs> um, so it's very important for these guys to kind of understand exactly uh, what the quarterback wants and also uh, how the quarterback can work with that offensive lineman and so on and so forth, even with the running backs, the tight ends, all those things. So you kind of want to get an understanding of everything. It just determines or it just depends on how much you want to play Carson Wentz behind that line in preseason. Special teams um, on Dotson, Jahan Dotson and Antonio Gibson getting return reps for special team on, on special teams versus Kansas City. He says that it's something to think about. We know who he is. We know what he's capable of. But at the same time, we want to make sure that he's comfortable back there. So we'll see how it unfolds come game time. And when he says he, like transcript, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Shout out to Washington. The transcripts aren't necessarily the cleanest. <laughs> um, it's hard to depict everything that, that coaches or players are saying because, you know, the transcripts aren't that clean, man. So 
these guys need an editor. God bless them. I, I don't know how much work they're doing, but um, I know that they need some help with these 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 transcripts. <laughs> um, but I say all that to say I don't know who he was talking about when he said we know who he is. Um, the question is is basically on Dotson and Gibson. I would just imagine he's talking about both. Um, and if we want to talk about, well, actually, we're going to get into Gibson right now. So I don't want to talk too much about him. But in terms of Dotson, Jahan, um, I have said this all along that I felt that, and I don't know if I said it on this platform, so please forgive me. I may just be introducing my thoughts right now, um, which is fine. But I've always thought that Jahan should be getting some reps at special teams. I always thought that he should be getting some reps on kickoff or punt. It doesn't really matter, but uh, understanding who he is from a playmaking standpoint, you can't really limit a guy like that. He's shown how dangerous he was on offense and on special teams during college. Um, the one thing that you have not been doing, uh, what you're doing now, but I'm saying the one thing that you have not done to this point is implement him on special teams and make sure that he gets those reps necessary because you're not always going to see him on offense, meaning like he's not going to have 100% of the snaps. He's not going to have 100% of the snaps. And I don't think it's going to be possible for any of these receivers to have 100% of the snaps. Terry isn't a special teams guy. Cam Sims is, but he's not returning anything. Dax Milne is, but uh, can he compete against Jahan or Antonio Gibson for that matter? Like, there's a lot of things to take into account with Jahan and Antonio, but specifically for Jahan, um, if you want to use him in that Santana Moss role where, or maybe even D-Jax where you're, you're asking him, hey, make a play back there. Okay, cool. Like, I, I respect it. But if you want to keep him only on one side of the ball, then you got to understand that this is a guy who is way bigger for your team than just an offensive player. Like, he's capable of taking something to the house on offense and on special teams. If you put him at DB, I'm sure he would have found a way to get a pick six. <laughs> it is what it is with Jahan. So just understand that part. And we move on to... Antonio Gibson and what Rivera had to say here. And this one was a little weird, ladies and gentlemen. So on Gibson being expected to play special teams Saturday and Rivera's response was the following quote. This is one thing you guys need to understand is that once we get into the regular season, everybody is involved in special teams. Antonio Gibson did it last year. So for the most part, you know, this is nothing new. It's just you guys see it. So now it becomes a news story. I'll let that sink in for like two seconds so you can understand like what confuses me. He says Antonio Gibson did it last year. So for the most part, this is nothing new. It's just you guys see it. So now it becomes a news story. Um, Now, I need clarification on what he meant by AG did it last year. I would imagine and assume that he's talking about practice reps and closed practices that the media was not able to see. Because let it be clear, Gibson did not play on special teams at any point during his NFL career. Going into year three, he has not played a a single special team snap. So I, I just, I just, I would just like to know what that is. And, and also when we get to Nate Kayser, about Antonio Gibson, you'll kind of understand the distinct response between Rivera and how he handled the Antonio Gibson special team stuff. And then Nate, 
which caught my attention as well. And it actually might have been a slip in terms of uh, not intentionally talking about, you know, emotions with a player, but also just saying that uh, he may have unintentionally revealed how people in Antonio Gibson's situation, including Antonio, could play a part in, you know, everything being what it is to this point. So, um, yeah, overall, from Herrera's response, uh, how I see things with this this Gibson comment, um, he's trying to downplay the significance of Gibson moving on to special teams, but I think for them to do it early on and do it in training camp, even if they are telling the truth about, you know, reporters not being able to see it last year in practice because it didn't happen in no game. So even if that is the case, that'll be interesting because I just think uh, for you to do it in training camp, it indicates that you're, you're going to have a season where you're using Antonio Gibson uh, quite often in special teams and you want to get him immersed as quickly as possible because you have a game coming up Saturday and you need to see how he fits in with your special teams unit. So that's kind of where I'm at with AG. And that's kind of where I'm at with how Rivera responded to that question on Gibson being able to play or expected to play special teams Saturday. Moving on to special teams coordinator, Nate Kayser. So we all know Troy Apke was a special teams all pro defender or cover guy, um, at, at least in Washington, because, you know, statistically or or um, from a award standpoint, he ain't earned nothing. <laughs> I don't see not near one award next to his name. So um, on pro football focus or pro football reference. So I need to figure out, you know, the attention and the importance of Troy Apke over the past couple of years that allowed him to stay on this roster. But let's transition to Kayser and what he said on Troy Apke from moving on from him and also who can replace Troy Apke. So let's start with moving on. And this is what he said uh, about Troy. He said, well, that obviously the personnel decisions, coach and the personnel department, they always got input from us, but they all make those final decisions. And Troy is a player that has played good for us. But we just felt like at this time that there were players competing for that spot. Like I said, I defer to coach on answering that question, but we appreciate what Troy has done. Obviously, the way I look at it, obviously, the way I look at not Troy, see, this, this is what I'm saying. Obviously, the way I look at not Troy, but until the 53 happens, then even the opening day roster, we just have to keep working players. That was very confusing to read, but um, if you understood it, good for you. So at this time, you know, just as a coach, just as coach, you know, he made the move, but we appreciate what Troy has done in the past. Um, and that is Kayser on moving on from Troy Apke. Uh, and then I will move on to the next part of on replacing Troy. He said the following. Uh, if you categorically look at Troy was a fast, really fast player. He was a non-defensive starter or he was a non-starting defensive back. So any of the people that you would see outside of the starting roles and you got to include the nickel. And when we go to Buffalo, the guys that are on the field there. The guys that aren't starting in those sub packages, any of those down below that line can run fast would be gunner candidates. Run it, uh, right now, two of the young ones we're looking at that have not been around on defense would be Christian Holmes and Percy Butler. Obviously, so just from a category and recipe standpoint, non-starting defensive backs or receivers or role, role player defensive backs or receivers that can run will inhabit those spots. So essentially, again, like the only 
He was only a special teams ace in Washington. Like the only player that fans are aware of, NFL fans, football fans that are aware of a person that's worth keeping is Matthew Slater out of New England. Like he's had a 13-year career in the NFL and he's produced just one catch. He's had 140 something tackles on I would imagine on special teams though as a receiver. So that tells you uh how effective he was for the Patriots over the years. Again, 13-year career, so he's spanning back to like oh oh lord, 08 type. Like in that range, 07, 08, something like that. So just think about how many rings he won too. <laughs> That's crazy. I saw the Matthew Slater, but back to Troy Apke, I just think that them moving on was I'm not going to sit here and say that he made a, a true impact, like a negative impact on the team, but it just also does identify like the dangers of going for uh, height, weight, speed uh, prototypes in the draft because there was nothing on tape. And people identified this in the moment, in real time, uh, and their concerns, not necessarily saying that you know the team was like just dead wrong. And I think this was a Jay Gruden draft pick, obviously. So this wasn't Troy Apke, but I mean, this wasn't Ron Rivera. But at the same time, just understanding that Troy Apke was a height, weight, speed guy. He had that four three speed uh, in straight line situations. They drafted this safety in the fourth round, I believe, and you expected him to really. Uh, matter of fact, let's take a look. Just make sure. I think it was Troy Apke draft status. Yep, fourth round of 2018. So that just kind of shows you like it was there was really nothing in the, in at out out of Penn State at that. <clears throat> there was really nothing that indicated he could play at the NFL level to draft him in the fourth round. But he did match the prototypes and that was attractive clearly enough for Washington to select him in the fourth round. But moving forward, like he said, Percy Butler, Christian Holmes, those are some key guys to look forward to moving forward. They have the speed. Percy Butler has that 4-3 speed that will ultimately replace Abke, but also you have Percy locked in for four years um, due to his rookie contract. So you have him regardless. And if he ultimately never comes to fruition as a the post-free safety player that Washington would love him to be, then you're looking at a guy who can possibly be the special teams ace. Um, he loved special teams when he was in college. Uh, Christian Holmes is a guy that I'm not too familiar with. Uh, in terms of college standpoints, but if you're looking at a Christian Holmes as well, then again, same, 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 same thing with Percy Butler. He's locked in contract for four years. Like he's here, unless you want to cut him beforehand because he's not performing well in any aspect. But you know, knock on wood with that one. But those guys are going to be here for a long time. So uh, those are going to be some interesting nuggets and in seeing how Percy responds and if he can step up in a role that. Uh, Kayser wants him to do, and same thing for Christian Holmes, who's also looking to fight for a roster spot. Uh, specifically, Christian Holmes is looking to fight for a roster spot. Percy may have an upper edge given his draft status and what he can do for a defense, too. Antonio Gibson, there's a longer conversation here. Um, and this is in, this is Kayser, and this is also something where I mentioned earlier where I thought that he revealed something um, that's worth noting. Now, bear with me. This is a long response, and I pray to God that as I read this, <laughs> uh, the transcription is 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 more accurate that and it doesn't trip me up. But this is on Antonio Gibbs being a returner. Nate Kayser said the following. That's part of what I was talking to uh, with John about John Kine. Antonio Gibson would be in that category. Social media has had some of his returns from Memphis out there recently. He was one of my Christmas present type of guys when we drafted him. 
what he did in college never leaves my mind. If him or Brian Robinson have, who have been practicing the special teams all along, whatever their roles are, we need to have one or both of them prepared to do a job on special teams. AG is a returner. Brian had some punt, some return production at Bama too. But that doesn't mean he's going to be back there. But these running backs are talented, are very, very swift army night fish on special teams. So with AG, you've seen more of a role with us recently because we've only had so many padded opportunities left and he needed some work in the event that we need him in a phase or two in a regular season. And certainly another tool in this box is his return game, which he is very good at. So again, we wanted him to be prepared. I'll emphasize this because I don't think a lot of people realize this. People may see Antonio practicing special teams and go, oh, you know, the offensive running back race, he's approaching it as perfect. Oh, yeah. So that's what he's saying. Oh, you know, the offensive running back race, blah, blah, blah. Um, so Antonio is approaching as professional as I need to get out here and get ready just in case I'm playing and professionals want to be prepared. He said, that's an impressive part about Antonio. He's approached this with a great professional attitude, realizing I don't want my first special teams rep on punt to be against the Jaguars in the regular season opener. So whether he's out there or not, he wants to be prepared and that's admirable. A lot of times as a special teams coach, I might be dealing with the player who's dealing with some disappointment on a role change on offense or defense. And he said, not necessarily talking about AG, but sometimes when they walk in my offense and they've been told by an offensive or defensive coach that maybe that maybe the other guy is going to start. So I'm not dealing all the time with guys that are just excited to be talking to me. And it's for our job to get them excited about embracing that role. And that starts with Ron Rivera and the personnel guys and the type of players that they keep con- that, that, that can conduct themselves as professionals and kind of a servant leader and embrace any role that we give them even though they may be dealing with disappointments. While Ron Rivera said Gibson as well, this is the end of quote from Kayser, but Ron Rivera said Gibson has been fined, and he thinks that he's worked on some things individually. He's taking his reps the way you know you think you should take them, that he thinks he should take them, and he's continued to do that. Uh, that is his biggest thing more than anything else. While those things have been said about uh, AG from Kayser and Ron Rivera, I personally think it's a slight admission that AG may have not been happy, but it's taken on the potential new role professionally. Now, ideally, I, I, I hate the way I phrase it. Of course, you're never going to be happy, um, you know, if something negative happens. And as a result, uh, there's a there's something what's, what's deemed as a, as a demotion, right? But I think what we're understanding here is that, one, Antonio was sent to Kayser and uh, had to inform him that he was going to be on special teams duties. Uh, and he may have not been too, you know, pleased about it initially, but the, the results of that conversation came out of Gibson and Kayser was that I'm going to make the best out of this and I'm going to make sure I'm prepared when I get my opportunity. That's the first and foremost thing. And cool, that's that's definitely okay to understand that role, right? To understand the role that, you're, there, that you put yourself in uh, because if you did not fumble, you probably would not be in special teams returning punts or anything like that that's the first thing the second thing is let's go ahead and find that one he said a lot of times as a special team coach i might be dealing with the player who's dealing with some disappointment on a role change on offense or defense and then they've been told by an offense or defensive coach that maybe the other guy is going to start so that's the second thing he's 
telling us some things about Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson and what happened on that offense that he's aware of, but generalizing it. Sure, we don't want to give up on Antonio Gibson. I understand that. But I think we get our first look at Brian Robinson as the starter. Brian Robinson getting uh, several carries and handoffs with the starting unit. And then he's going up against the starting defense. And while he did that for one drive against Carolina, I think we get that extended look against the Kansas City Chiefs. And it'll be interesting to see how Brian Robinson uh, responds to his opportunity this early into the season. Like, a lot of people thought the carries would increase as the year went on. We'll probably be looking at a person in Brian Robinson who's going to be taking the bulk of the carries to start the season. So that is going to be interesting from that standpoint as well to understand where they have Brian Robinson in this offense, but what is their plans to utilize him moving forward? I think you get a good indication of that against the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming Saturday. So let's go ahead and close this out with three things that I want to see against the Kansas City Chiefs. First thing first is the starting unit on defense. I ain't going to lie to y'all. I don't care who Washington is up against. Starting unit needs to allow zero points against the Kansas City starters. Um, Washington's offense is banged up, but Washington's defense is not. Eliminate the small gaps, please. I don't need to hear anything about or even looking back at the film, I don't need to see how small mistakes led them to extended drives and how uh, small errors or miscommunications or misunderstandings uh, led to an extended drive and things like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to see that. I need to see everybody playing on one accord. I would love to see that pass rush getting home. Antonio, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Allen had several good pass rushes as a starting defensive tackle. Montez Sweat had a couple of good pressures on the, on the edge. Um, and then Daniel Wise had a couple of, he had one good pressure as a starter uh, playing with the, the interior lineman. So um, these guys are, are playing okay up front, but I need, to, I need to see them get home. Also need to see that back end in terms of, excuse me, the second and third level uh, play a little better from a, a depth standpoint. And, and I think that's in technique standpoint as well. So I think there's a couple things that was going on last week. Uh, Danny Johnson was playing a slot cornerback role. As a starter, he ultimately transitioned to a boundary corner or outside corner once the starters came out. But maybe if we get Ben St. Juice back this week, um, there's no formal update. But from what I understand from the good man, AJ, on my Trapper Dive channel, Trapper Dive podcast, uh, that he he's doing just fine. Um, so I actually expect him to play this week. And I would love to see him in that nickel role and how they how they respond uh, with uh, Benjamin St. Juice back there, but ultimately, I just want to see better technique and people trusting and being a little bit more aggressive um, from a, a depth standpoint and, and challenging these receivers. Like, I want to see them challenge receivers versus like reacting. I want to see them force errors and force mistakes and force receivers to think. It's the most important thing, forcing them to think. So, that's what I want to see from the starting, starting defensive unit. I don't want to see no points, nothing. I want to see them eliminate them small guests and I want to see them trust themselves on the back end. And things like that. So, number two, Antonio Gibson's effectiveness as a returner. um, And see if he can provide some playmaking potential there. Overall, I do understand that people love the idea of Antonio Gibson's uh, playmaking potential. Like, overall. And what he can bring to an offense. Or maybe what he can bring to special teams. But, look. For a guy who had 
170 yard reception last year and the most he's had on the longest carry has been 40 yards understand that uh, a running back it doesn't take you to run a 4-3 to be an explosive player like you can run a 4-5 um, maybe even a, a like a, a a low four or six, and still bust one off for seventy. Like it all depends on your vision and how you handle your blocks, how you manipulate blockers, and how you can accelerate uh, and and quickly get upfield uh, and things like that. So I understand that uh, while Gibson's playmaking potential like was there in the eyes of others uh, from an offensive standpoint, I think he'll be better suited for this team if he can provide some open field opportunities on special teams. It's just as simple as that. So I want to see his effectiveness as a returner. Um, And then thirdly, how, thirdly, and then third, how Washington, specifically Carson Wentz, operates in an unideal, unideal environment. Uh, I get that his offensive line is banged up, and I can't imagine he'll get a whole half if that's the case. But how can he perform in a situation where all his top guys are not there? Again, it's, it's what we're presuming, but I would love to see it. I need to understand how he operates under pressure because while Keith Ishmael started last last week, he ultimately had uh, several or all of his starters there outside of Keith, um, several players who were capable of starting. They were all there last year or last week. So this may be a situation where that's not going to happen this week. So I would love to see how he, he carries himself moving forward, how he like if his eyes change at all, if his eyes aren't downfield, how is he maneuvering? knowing that that offensive line is not 100% healthy. Lastly, as an honorable mention, my guy, Jamin Davis. Uh, Jamin has had uh, a good outing in the limited sample size against Carolina. So I would love to see if he can come back and have another solid performance against one of the league's better offenses and better quarterbacks. We've heard J.D. McKissick over the past week say that he's looked like a totally different player. Um, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio has given praises to Jamin Davis being able to process and read things quicker and understand what the defense wants out of him. Like everything has worked well in his favor. And he played again, like I said, he played good against Carolina in his run fits and processing things. He's played really fast to this point. So for me, I need to see if he can back this up with another good game against one of the league's better offenses and one of the league's better quarterbacks. Um, and if you have something there in Jamin, I'm not expecting being him being perfect. I'm not expecting him to be an elite player. But if you can at least stay consistent and, and have a, a C plus B minus game against the Kansas City Chiefs, I think that there's still it's, it's signs that there's life in terms of your development. Anything terrible kind of puts you out in the wayside like you're not there yet and we have a long way to go. But if there's some glimpses where you have some positive and highlight moments uh, that's worth talking about. And it may be even forcing a turnover. Like, that is that is where you kind of understand that Jamin Davis is getting it. So, I have my eyes on Jamin Davis's honorable mention. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're out of here. Uh, we will probably be back to break down the game or our initial thoughts. Uh, expect that Sunday. Um, expect that Sunday. Saturday night, if, if, you know, if things go well, but expect that Sunday. Uh, for sure so that being said i'm out of here y'all enjoy your day enjoy your weekend enjoy the games peace